the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Let me ask you this. Do you receive your food with gratitude? I find that a lot of times I just go through a prayer because it's the thing to do, but I'm not really thinking about thanking the Lord. I mean, I'm saying the right words, but you know what? This ought to be a time of worship. When you go out today or you have lunch at home, when you pray, you need to make this a time of worship. In fact, look at verse five again. It says, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. What does he mean by that? When we acknowledge that God's word tells us that he's provided our food for us and we offer a prayer of thanksgiving, hey, that's a worship, a worship experience. That's an occasion for worship and praise. And I hope that you'll think about this more often. Because I think we take for granted our food. Do you realize how many restaurants we have in this area? I hope you realize that. You can go to a restaurant every day and it take you the whole year to do all these restaurants. I don't think we think about the food that we have. I don't think we take it as God's provision for us. But if God didn't provide it, you and I aren't living much longer. Pastor Steve's opening question on today's verse-by-verse program. Do you receive your food with gratitude? I'm so glad God has provided food for us and that it tastes good. I enjoy good-tasting food and appreciate that God gave us the ability to enjoy the flavors in food. You know, He could have made food without flavor, but God's creativity is reflected in the types and varieties of food available and the many different ways to prepare food to bring out its best flavor. In fact, I appreciate that so much, I think I'll go grab a snack at the end of today's program. So, food is on the menu today, as well as the image of God and the importance of human government. That's quite a smorgasbord, as the Scandinavians would say. Well, at the end of today's broadcast, I'll tell you how you can subscribe to the Verse by Verse podcast. That gives you the opportunity to listen at any time or go back and listen to a past program of Verse by Verse. But now we're ready for today's program, and here is Pastor Steve Kreloff. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Watch this. This is very, very helpful. He said, But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and to doctrines of demons. What we're about to hear is a doctrine of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Here's what they teach. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. Watch this. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. 
Now, these people probably, these false teachers probably were not Jewish legalists. They were probably Gnostics who taught that anything material was evil. They were into asceticism, and so they related all these things to the body, and anything that was related to material things was evil and therefore should be avoided. But in answering their error, the Apostle Paul said that no food is to be rejected. Do you have that? No food is to be rejected. All the food that God has created for man, which includes animals, all animals, is good. It's to be received with gratitude. Let me ask you this. Do you receive your food with gratitude? I find that a lot of times I just go through a prayer because it's the thing to do, but I'm not really thinking about thanking the Lord. I mean, I'm saying the right words. But you know what? This ought to be a time of worship. When you go out today or you have lunch at home, when you pray, you need to make this a time of worship. In fact, look at verse 5 again. It says, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. What does he mean by that? When we acknowledge that God's word tells us that he's provided our food for us and we offer a prayer of thanksgiving, hey, that's a worship, a worship experience. That's an occasion for worship and praise. And I hope that you'll think about this more often because I think we take for granted our food. Do you realize how many restaurants we have in this area? I hope you realize that. You can go to a restaurant every day and it take you the whole year to do all these restaurants. I don't think we think about the food that we have. I don't think we take it as God's provision for us. But if God didn't provide it, you and I aren't living much longer. God has provided food for us and we need to enjoy it and not feel guilty about it unless you eat too much. Then you ought to feel real guilty about that. But you eat whatever you want and you enjoy it because God has provided it for you. Now, that's one problem that people have. And I'm telling you, even Christian leaders get into this. Reject that kind of teaching. You are the church age. You are church people. You are people in this era. You are not Old Testament Israel. Secondly, another problem about eating animal meat comes from those who either feel bad for animals or uh, animal rights groups who have, in their zeal to protect animals, absolutely lost all perspective of man. Absolutely. A few years ago, an article appeared in the American Family Association Journal entitled Lost in the Wilderness. And I think this illustrates how absurd this stuff becomes. This is true. I'm just going to read from this. I'm taking word for word. Jack Landon, a 42-year-old mechanic, is facing multiple counts of aggravated cruelty to animals as a result of his 21-day fight for survival when lost in the Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York. Last April, Landon's pickup skidded on a muddy road and he slid into a ravine. In the collision, he struck his head and awoke with no recollection of who or where he was. He aimlessly wandered off with a severely injured right foot. For three weeks, he tried to stay alive, surviving on fish caught with a pointed stick and squirrels he trapped then killed with the same stick. On the 21st day of his ordeal, he finally reached civilization. Landon's highly publicized story caught the attention of humans for the sensitive treatment of animals. The animal rights advocacy group pressed the state of New York to bring charges of extreme cruelty to animals with special circumstances against him, specifying the known deaths of at least 10 squirrels and an undetermined number of fish. I'm not kidding you. This happened. Each count of the Class A felony carries a mandatory sentence of nine years without parole. One argument the state is expected to raise is that the number of animals Landon killed was unnecessarily large, owing to the fact that by moving around about he elevated his caloric requirements, 
Had he conserved his energy and waited for rescuers to find him, he would not have needed more than one small fish and a few berries each day. Landon also faces a third-degree charge of failure to wear a seatbelt and 21 federal charges of setting fire at unapproved sites on state lands. Now, folks, is that ludicrous? Is this a world gone mad? Is this a world that's lost perspective? Let me ask you this. What about a Christian who is a vegetarian? And there are. Well, my response to that, in case you're wondering, would be, it depends why. It depends why a Christian would be a vegetarian. If he's doing it for personal health reasons, you know, I don't like the way the meat's processed, and he wants to eat organically, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. But if it's because of the dignity of animals, then I have a real problem with that. A real problem. Because that is a pantheistic Hindu view of nature. I wish I could take you all to India to see how the cow is elevated. You hear about that, you read about that, but imagine traveling on US-19 trying to avoid Brahmin cows. Now, people I don't think are avoided that much, but cows are avoided because you might be killing somebody's grandma or aunt or whatever. In India, they have elevated cows above humans because they have no concept of man being made in the image of God. We need to make sure as believers that we don't follow that kind of thinking. Maybe we don't go as far as they would go with reincarnation, but we need to make sure that we don't elevate a cow. So you know what? My advice to you is go home and have a good steak, good juicy steak, and enjoy it. Just enjoy it. In fact, I saw a bumper sticker. Michelle and I were in California. We saw this bumper sticker. I love animals. They taste great and fur is warm. (laughs) Now, nobody is saying be cruel to animals. Bible doesn't teach that, but God has provided animals for us. And you know what I think settles it? I want you to see this rather than me just tell you this. Luke, turn to Luke 24. What ought to settle, if you didn't know anything else, Luke 24 settles the whole issue because Jesus ate animal food even in his resurrected body. Luke 24, verse 41 says, And while they still could not believe it for joy, that is, they couldn't believe he had appeared to them for joy, and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? That's great. They're just dumbfounded that the Lord is here. He said, Got something to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Listen, if Jesus ate fish in his resurrected state, that's good enough for us. God has provided it for us. I just think that settles it. So God assures our preservation by providing food for us. And God has done that. What a gracious thing. But there's one restriction found in verse 4. Back to Genesis 9. One restriction. Only you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is, its blood. One restriction. Before eating an animal, God says its blood was to be drained. Now, the text doesn't explain why. It could be one of two reasons. It could actually be both reasons, but let me present them to you. It could be that because the cults in the Canaan people, which the Jewish people were around, remember Genesis was written to them, God was warning the Jewish people that blood was to be drained because the cults around them actually drank the blood of animals, thinking that they would get their strength and virility and all of that. That could be part of it. But I suspect that the primary reason God said don't drink the blood is because while the flesh was given for meat, blood was given for what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Leviticus 17.11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The life of an animal, which is its blood, spilled on the altar, was accepted by God as a substitutionary death for a guilty sinner. 
blood-covered sin, pointing to the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, who would not cover sin, but take away the sins of the world. Now, the point of this is to say that God has given man food to sustain him. Noah was told that the only thing he could not take of the animal was its blood. Everything else is a go. You know what that means for us? You can eat anything you want. You can eat any part of animal you want. You can eat pig's knuckles. You can have little fish eggs called caviar. If you can afford them, you can have them. You can eat liver. You could eat tongue. Oh, gross. Gross. We did this. My mom used to buy tongue, and I never thought about what it was. You could eat these little fish called mussels. You could eat sardines. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, you could eat herring. Am I making you hungry? You want to go out and eat now? You could eat herring. That's the thing people say. It puts hair on your chest. I think it takes it off. That stuff is... uh, You could eat clams. You could eat oysters. Listen, whatever you want, you can eat. But do not dignify animals to the exalted position of you feel so bad for them that you couldn't possibly eat them. That's God's provision for you. He's the one who did this. So God has provided animals for us as food. And we're told to kill animals. But the next regulation forbids us from killing people. The first regulation for mankind that assures our preservation is the production of children. The second regulation is the provision of food. And the third is the punishment for murder. Verse 5. And surely I will require your lifeblood from every beast. I will require it and from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Now this verse clearly states that anyone, beast or man, who kills a human... God requires their life. If you kill an animal, God doesn't require your life. But if you kill a human, even an animal kills a human, God requires its life. Now, up to this point in human history, do you realize this regulation was not in effect? Cain killed Abel, and God did not take the life of Cain. In fact, he protected him. He protected him with either some kind of mark or a sign to Cain so that anybody who touched Cain, God would deal with them. And then Cain had a descendant named Lamech, who boasted of killing a young man, and God, as far as we know, never took his life as well. So this is brand new. This is brand new. After the flood, God introduces the death penalty for taking a human life. Why? Why now? Why at this point in history? Here's the point. In order to convey to Noah and his sons and to us that life is sacred, life is not cheap. Remember where we are in biblical history. God has just wiped out the whole planet. He doesn't want Noah getting the thought or anybody that life is cheap, that life is not important. I mean, billions of people have just been killed. And God wants Noah to understand that he should hold life dear. Human life is special. Man's life is of value. Why is it of value? Why is it important? Verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God... He made man. By this verse, God not only establishes the superiority of human life over animal life because man was made in the image of God, animals are not, but he also established the death penalty is to be carried out by human governments. You may not realize that, but when verse 6 says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, by man means human governments. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the text doesn't say human government, but the rest of Scripture states that. In the Old Testament, the Jewish authorities, civil authorities, acted as judges to carry out the death penalty. And in the New Testament, Romans chapter 13, let's look there, Paul specifically states that government has the right to carry out the death penalty. Romans 13, 
Very important. Verses 1 through 4, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Watch this. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what's good, and you'll have praise from the same. For it is a minister, that is government, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For government, it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it's a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. When Paul speaks of they do not have the sword in vain, the sword was the instrument for carrying out capital punishment, carrying out the death penalty. Jesus said the same thing. All they who take the sword will perish what? With the sword. Same thing. You kill, God requires your life. Martin Luther said this, God establishes government and gives it the sword to hold wantonness in check, lest violence and other sins proceed without limit. You see, before the flood, before the flood, there was no human government. Do you realize that? That's why there was so much violence. Do you remember we looked at this, Genesis 6, verse 11. There was violence, incredible violence. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. Could you imagine living in a world in which anybody can do to you whatever they want and there'd be no punishment, no deterrent to crime? If somebody is bigger than you, wants whatever you have, they just take it and there's nothing you can do about it. But with the Noahic covenant, government is now established. That's brand new. It's established in order to not only execute justice, but to protect us. I know we have a lot of negative attitudes, especially Christians have this towards the federal government and the administration, but thank God that God establishes government because they protect us. But there is still a serious question that I raised at the beginning of the message, so let's address it right now. The question is this, if murder is wrong because the victim was made in God's image, and that's what this teaches, then is it wrong to carry out the death penalty on the murderer who also was made in God's image? What's the difference? There is a big difference, and here's the answer. It is perfectly right to carry out the death penalty. It is perfectly appropriate to carry out capital punishment. Why? Because God who made all things, God who made man in his image, he alone has the right to take life. We don't personally, but government does it because they are acting in the place of God. That's why. That's the answer. You and I don't have that right. Personal vengeance is not right. Blood feuding is not right. But government has been given the authority by God they're acting in his place. That's why they're called a minister of God. God is the one taking that life. God gave it. God can take it. And government, whether they're good government or not so good government, all governments have been established by God. They have been given that right. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate? You would have no authority except it was given to you. So no individual has that right. For us to say, hey, you killed somebody. Let's get a hanging here. That would be wrong but the government has the right to do that. Now, with all that we've said, you don't want to miss the point of this. The point of this about capital punishment is that God has instituted it, human government, and the policy of capital punishment in order to preserve you and protect you. And we praise the Lord for that. Government protects us. In other words, even though the flood was devastating and many, many people died, in fact, everybody, but no one his family, human life is sacred. Do you understand that? That answers the whole issue of abortion. Human life is sacred. Therefore, we don't go around killing one another. 
We don't go around killing infants. We don't go around killing older folks because they've served their time. It answers all of that stuff. Human life is sacred. In fact, even in the New Testament, James, in his epistle, James chapter 3, talking about speech, talking about the tongue, says, hey, you ought to treat one another properly. You ought to speak to one another properly because that person you're speaking to is created in the image of God. Do you know that? That's what ought to govern our speech to one another. No put-downs, no insults, no nasty stuff, no cursing, because we were created in the image of God. You treat people with dignity because they were made in God's likeness. So God has exalted man above the animals because we alone were made in his image. Now, I hope that you can take this, you can run with it, you can apply it to your life, but you certainly want to be thinking about this, and you certainly want to praise the Lord for all he's provided for you. Let's bow for prayer as we consider this. We never want to hear the word of God and rush out of here as we're quiet before him. First of all, folks, we need to recognize how good God has been to us. Have you recognized that, that he's given you children? It just didn't happen. It's not just a biological happening. God gives us the ability. Have you thanked the Lord for that? Have you thanked the Lord for food, or do you take that for granted? God has given us so much. I hope this afternoon and continuing on the rest of your life that every time you eat, you'll thank God and appreciate your food more and how good he's been to you. And how about your protection? Yeah, there are a lot of things to criticize our governments about, but there's also the opportunity we have to thank God that they protect us. Whether you agree with policies or not, they protect us. And we live in a world that there is protection, there is preservation. You ought to praise God for these things because he has built these regulations into society. You also ought to have your thinking in check about how you look at animals. Nobody wants animals to be treated cruelly. Nobody likes death or suffering. But God has provided God has provided animals. Don't have a Hinduistic perspective of animals. And certainly it ought to change your perspective about murder, certainly abortion, euthanasia. The point of these verses is to tell us how merciful God is to us, even though we're still sinners. He's so merciful. Let's thank him for that. And I want to say, too, that if you do not know Jesus Christ personally, God has been so merciful to you in providing what you need above everything else, and that is a sacrifice for your sin. Jesus paid the price for your sin. We certainly urge you and invite you to trust him, repent of your sins, and trust him. And if you'd like to speak to one of our elders after the service, one of the men will be up here right at the platform, and you can speak to this individual. They'll take you quietly aside and speak to you how you can trust Christ. Father, thank you for allowing us to look at your word. There's many truths in this passage. But Lord, we don't want to miss the big picture of how kind and merciful you've been to us. Lord, thank you for our children. Because it is the desire of every believer to present their children to you to follow Christ. We pray for all the families in this church who have children in their home, under their care. We pray that you'll give each parent wisdom, raising their children not only from a godly perspective, but may they exemplify Christ-likeness to their children. May there be humility, servanthood, and wisdom. And I pray for the young people in our church. Pray, Father, that their hearts might be turned to Christ. Pray not only for the parents, but I pray for those who lead them, the school, Awana, for Spencer as he shepherds the youth. 
pray, Lord, that our youth might have their hearts turned to Christ and have passion to follow him. Lord, thank you for all the food that you've given to us. And sometimes we get very spoiled and we lose our perspective that the stuff just doesn't come to us, but it's by your good hand of provision. I thank you for that. Thank you that you've given us all things richly to enjoy. And I thank you for government. I thank you for all the good things that they do, and they certainly protect us, Lord. What a horrible existence it would be if every man did that which was right in his own eyes and there was no one to deter them from doing that. I thank you for that. I thank you that you keep your word. This world won't be disturbed or flooded in any way with a global flood. But I thank you that knowing that we're wicked sinners, you're so kind to us. I also pray that you'll draw to yourself those who need Christ, those who need forgiveness of sins. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a lot packed into today's verse-by-verse program, but let me share a couple of things that blessed me. God instituted human government and the policy of capital punishment in order to preserve you and protect you, protect all of us. In other words, even though the flood was devastating and many, many people died, to God, human life is sacred. Well, that answers the whole issue of abortion. Human life is sacred. Therefore, we don't go around killing one another. We don't go around killing infants. We don't go around killing older folks because, well, they've served out their time. It answers all of that. Human life is sacred. Well, that wraps up today's verse-by-verse program. We will conclude our series on Noah and the Flood on our next verse-by-verse program, so please join us there. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.